What does emotional intelligence have to do with leadership? It has everything to do with leadership. It is something that whether you're a leader or you think you're a perceived leader or not, you working on it can only benefit you, the people around you, the world. Like, it's crucial. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. It is another beautiful day here in North Carolina. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Leader Connect. Ignite Management Services, and Liberty Strength. Now, have you checked out our sponsors yet? Well, if you haven't, you should. These sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week. So click on their links below and show them some love. Also, I want to remind you that the Qualified Leadership Book Series, which includes all three of my best-selling books, is now available at my website. You get all three books for 15% off the Amazon and Barnes & Noble price, but this offer is only available on my website. This book series is the perfect tool to help you elevate your leadership skills, energize your team, and reach your goals. So check it out at johnsrenny.com. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite leadership topics, emotional intelligence. But we're going to focus specifically on emotional intelligence for remote leaders. Now, my guest is Diana Lowe, and Diana works with remote leaders to help them improve their emotional intelligence and give them the tools they need to succeed in today's workplace. Now, if you're leading a remote or hybrid team, you need to listen to this important discussion. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Diana Lowe. Diana is the CEO of Blue Light Leadership, a leadership development company focused on educating, training, and coaching emotional intelligence for remote leaders. Blue Light helps companies keep their top talent in this new remote and hybrid work environment. Diana has 15 years of working with directors and senior executives in Fortune 500 companies to transform their team spirit and communication earning low-performing teams into highly productive and engaged leaders. She works on unleashing the power of emotional intelligence to create cultures of high performance. She equips remote leaders with the tools they need to succeed in today's workplace. And I'm excited to have her on the show to learn more about emotional intelligence, especially for remote leaders. So Diana, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. I am excited as well. It's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, I kind of want to dive into it right away. Tell us about your company. Tell us about Blue Light Leadership. What is it that you do and what is your focus? So what we do is we focus on helping remote leaders, like really get a grasp of what is it like in this world of connecting with people and distributed teams and a hybrid sense. What I hear a lot is that uh, I used to know how to work with people and be with people, but now I don't see them. So then that begs to... That begs the question, If you, in my mind, is that, but then did you really know how to connect with people? Mm. Because just because we're in a physical space together doesn't mean we're truly connecting. And just because you see them every day more than you see your family doesn't mean you're really connecting. So there's an intentionality there that can sometimes be missed. 
And that's really what we're focusing on. We're really focused on helping people be the best leaders, be the best boss. Do you spend so much time there, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to really get the best of the people in your environment and show up for them the best you can. That makes sense. Is there is there um, groups of leaders that maybe struggle more? I'm just wondering from a generational standpoint, because I know, you know, I'm 56 and I've never, never been in a remote, you know, hybrid work environment in my life before. Uh, you know, and, and to me, it's, this is like uh, uncharted territory for me as a leader. So do you find that it's generational or do you, do you find across the board people, um, people need to know the skills to be able to be successful in a remote environment? I like that question because I think most people like to think it's generational. And then I, I'm just speaking on my own, you know, I know everybody has their own opinion, but I have found it's really dependent on the person. Yeah. So remember those times where we used to call people or have pen pals? We did that connection in different ways at different times that uh, I don't know if you ever just had like a friend through the phone, like just pre-mobile phones where you just had somebody you talked to long distance. So we've always had some element of this, at least in this lifetime from the 1900s to now, but it's getting our head around like, what is really important to me and what am I really missing? So maybe people didn't realize how important that element was to them, right? So we're always, I think everybody could, this is a skill that everybody can work on. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think some people... You know, like you said, even even older people are like, oh, this is cool. I mean, they jump right in, right? And then others are are, are struggling with. They might be young, like I, I don't, you know, it's this whole thing of remote is different. It's two D versus three D. It's a, uh, I mean, the good thing is you do get to see a lot of the nonverbals through through video, but still, you don't get the really close connections like you have, you know, face to face. So I think there's some challenges there. So. One of the other questions I have is we go into this, you know, we, we're, we're post-COVID now. We we have sort of... Are we, though? I think, I think hybrid work. Are we? I don't know. It's I feel like we're still in COVID. I don't know. Yeah, just I think the majority of it is over. But, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that leaders face in this sort of new way of doing work? So I work in a specific niche hmm. in terms of... I help people connect with people. So the problems that technically that I see are people related. Now, that's not to say that there aren't other problems, but really what I'm understanding is people's lack of awareness about how their way of being can be translated. So let's say I'm a person who is very um, direct. I tell you exactly what needs to be done, when it needs to be done. And I expect you to do that. Now, in a physical environment, we might think if we're that person, people will just do it. In reality, that's not really true. And now what people are seeing is they are that way and they're in these virtual rooms and that's, it's not working for them anymore. Mm. Like how they were and staying like that isn't working. So really what I'm seeing is just people learning more about themselves we're learning more that they need to understand the people around them and the motivations. We talked about it before, but now we're discovering that it in a different way because mm-hmm. our teams might be around the globe. And let's face it, you and I know you study leadership. We've had global leadership for eons in business. Mm-hmm. And now we're really starting to see how important our decisions are because we're seeing it in real time because of technology. Right. Yeah. So, 
So this is something I think it's the people problems that we're seeing, I think are more magnified. We like to pin it on generations, but even baby boomers were new to the scene at one point and the older generation said they didn't have work ethic, right? So each previous generation thinks that their generation is the best. Totally fine, totally normal, but not totally true. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think what's interesting now, and this is my observation, I just you know, I want to get your take on it. I see that there's no stigma attached to to job hopping like it used to be maybe 10 years ago. So, you know, and if if an employee doesn't feel like they're they're respected or celebrated where they're at, they're going to pack up their stuff and go somewhere else. And with the idea of working remotely, they can do that and not even move. So they can they can work for for five different companies in a space of, you know, six or seven years and never have to move their family, right? Or never have to move their household. So to me, I think that the pressure is on leaders to how do you uh, attract and retain top talent when there's people can just leave on a heartbeat. So how do you keep, I think, I think the pressure is on to be a really good leader if you want to keep the best people. Do you feel that as well? So I think there, yes. And I think there's a dichotomy of how people are thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So what I notice is that more mature companies that have been around for longer, they want to think about like, because they know the cost of mm-hmm. hiring people and the, how much it costs for keeping people. So they're interested in that, the longevity of the brand. But for smaller companies, I think a lot of them, they don't care if you're there for two years or three years because they just need you to do this one thing, right? So we don't need you forever. So I think it's more about how uh, with the technology we have today, starting a business on TikTok, you may not need a lifelong employee. You might just need somebody to fill boxes for a week. So I think the way we're thinking about business because the technology is also changing, whereas previously with like we were talking about like baby boomer generations mm-hmm. and the traditionalists, they had like a loyalty. Like this is my company that helps my town, right? Right. right. And this is how your your grandfather, your grandmother worked there. Actually, grandmothers back in the day didn't work there. Didn't work, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but they have a sense of tradition, community and loyalty. And I think that we have that still in a different capacity because it's more global. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that, 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 that many of the jobs are, it's not quite gig economy, but, but, but something like that, where it, it is, I'm hiring you for a function. And I've had some guests on the show that talked about, we ought to have a plan for our employees to come in and go out. Like, here's what I need you to do. We have a project that's going to be done yes. and I need you for two years to develop this project. So we say that we just, we need you for two years. Yeah. And then that, 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 you know, it's because we aren't like the, the, we used to, the way we used to be where one person stays at one company for their life and gets the gold watch at the end. So this, this guest talked about the idea of spelling out, like, here's what I need for the next two years or for the next year or for the next six months. So we're very specific with our, our requirements with our employees. That's very interesting. Yeah. And it's I a different, different way of thinking. With all like the startups or uh, businesses that get funded, they also can't grow with the same employees from the beginning. So they also need to change their mindset to say like, I I like, I don't know, Jamal, he's been with us from the beginning, but at the same time, to take us to the next level, we need somebody with 
uh, I don't know, real estate experience and that's yeah. not this person. So I think the mindset is becoming more agile for uh, smaller companies, but I do see the more mature companies, um, any anything, any brand that you know that comes to name, they will want the loyalty, right? Yeah. So I think it depends on the segment of the business. Sense. Yeah. And what it does. But that makes sense. Yeah. sometimes, you know, what the best thing I've learned is that people, they want to align with what's interesting to them. So they don't always want to stay at a place forever. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you may find your interests shifting. Like I, you know, I really want to get into this, this industry or another industry or what have you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think even more hurtful is people who are loyal and then they get laid off. And oh, yeah, yeah. If you have, a, for example, you might have grown up with a loyal parent who was dedicated to a certain company and then in their close to retirement age got laid off, hard to get uh, rehired. And then they're like, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I don't want to have yeah. that happen to me. So I think there's one part of that happening, one part of following my desires because I don't know what I want. I want to work in Bali as a developer and then I want to run a coffee shop and then I, you know, I think we have the option now. Yeah, we have a lot more options and that probably, that's probably the challenge uh, to to choose a career path because there are so many ways you can go, all right? And and that life is short and I think people want to experience a lot more than maybe our grandparents did or my grandparents did for sure, yeah. And I think this speaks to, so I have small children and I think this, I totally expect by the time they actually work in a company or for a job, they'll probably have a stream of income, if not one or two, because of the new opportunities that we have afforded to us by. So they don't need to work like previous generations for the money, Mm. right? So I've heard about like, and and I'm very limited on the social media um, world because for me, I prioritize that lowly. But I do know, and I've seen people who are like, since I was 13, I've had this YouTube channel and I make a lot of money. And right, so really, right, yeah. what we're vying for are their hearts. We're vying for the alignment with their values. And I, I think you might even be seeing this too. Their hearts are saying, let's keep the world safe. Their hearts are saying, mm-hmm. let's keep the world sane. And it's not so much about like this sense of, I need to make money, money, money. For some people it is, but more it's about sustainability. It's about how are we aligning ourselves with our purpose and our passion and what makes sense for us to move forward as a global community? That's what I'm seeing, at least. Yeah, You're, no, I, I definitely, that? yeah, I've definitely seen that. And, I, and actually, we, we've had guests on the show. We've talked about this idea that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, it was all about, uh, you know, shareholder, shareholder value. That was, that's what we existed in business to do. But this, you know, I would say the millennials probably started it, but it's continued to grow, which is the idea of stakeholder value. Like, how can we take care of our employees, our our communities, uh, our um, our customers, and 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 you know, and and uh, our stock stockholders as well? But it's more holistic, and I think the employees have more power than they used to. I think that uh, customers have more power than they used to, and so. Uh, they're going to hold companies accountable to to living up to their values. So I think that's that's a, that's a marked shift that we've seen. Employee protests never happened before, right? And now now they're happening regularly, right? So 
If employees right. feel like you're not living up to your values, they're going to, they're going to walk out like, and this is at not any level at yeah. every level. Yeah, exactly. At every so level it's, too. And this is something we've never seen before. So I think, I think these are, we're talking about the shift. I think you're right in from just making money to, um, like, like making sure that you're doing good in the world. I think, I think our, our employees yeah. want us to do good in the world. So I think that's going to and I would agree with you. I think it's us as humanity collectively saying like, wow, look at this destruction. And it's the science coming to us and saying, we got to stop this. We got to reverse it. We have to find better ways to do this. Mm-hmm. So I think collectively the science that we that is published is starting to be listened to. I think our young people want to live in a world that is healthy. And I think that's something to aspire for. And I think even people of our generations, older, like they want to live in a healthy place. I don't, I can't imagine anybody who wants to live in an unhealthy place. So no. they, they're just using their voices on social media more. They, they're, they have different platforms. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. I think, I think there's a shift happening in leaders. You need to know that. So yeah. if you, if you don't recognize this is happening, you're, you're, you're asleep at the switch because a lot of things are shifting. So so let's dive into this topic of emotional intelligence. So what does it mean to you and how does it relate to leadership? So emotional intelligence is really about understanding the power and the uh, connection of your emotions for yourself and then being able to observe the emotions of others so that you can make better decisions. We can see time and time again, and I'm sure people listening, even yourself, you can think about when somebody's emotionally tone deaf, the decisions they make. So we can think about when we didn't listen to somebody because they're saying, I don't feel this is right. I don't feel this is right. So they're emotionally tone deaf. You will ha- create conflict. You will create strife. Talking about bad bosses, many of them are emotionally tone deaf. Mm-hmm. And so many pe- many bosses are high, what I would call like high dominant. They get stuff done. They're fast paced. They're decision makers. But when they are emotionally tone deaf, they miss out on the people. Mm. So then people start getting angry and then people start rebelling. And we know from a lot of research in this area, and I know that you have different research to to my research, but we know that creates disengagement. And when you have people in your company, you've built so hard, you worked so hard to build this company or build it. Now, being emotionally tone deaf, you have created people who are actively trying to take it down. So it's counterintuitive. So we, it's, it's easy to think, oh, this is so fluffy and this and this. In this environment, in this remote world and distributed teams, it's imperative to understand how you're showing up, how you are, how your actions are being interpreted. And that's how we inspire people, you know, John, I'm sure you've, you've written about, we talk about motivation, inspiring high performance. Those are all feelings. Those are all emotions. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. As a leader, you're responsible for the mission and the people assigned to you. Regardless of the size of your team, employees are depending on you for their lives and careers. For the sake of your team and the people who entrust you with this role, you need to master the skills to become a great leader. Best-selling leadership author John Rennie is proud to introduce the Qualified Leadership Book Series. This new series teaches you how to become a people-centered leader. Great leaders know that employees who are respected, appreciated, and allowed to grow will go the extra mile. 
These books provide real-world leadership wisdom written from a hands-on perspective. If you want to be a more effective leader, this is the one book series you should read this year. This three-book series contains the following best-selling leadership books. I Have the Watch, You Have the Watch, and All in the Same Boat for one low price of $39.99. Begin your journey to become a leader worth following. Go to johnsrenny.com and get your order in today. This episode is brought to you by Leader Connect, a leadership training company and video platform founded by the leadership book author and deep leadership podcast guest, Neil Jurd. Leader Connect is a video and podcast streaming platform for leaders and teams. Watch it alone or as a team, and each video supports you and your team, allowing you to improve performance and build a great culture. Join hundreds of experts and learn about leadership, planning, public speaking, team building, mindfulness, and a range of other subjects that will help you lead well and build a great team. I'm proud to say that I'm one of the experts on this platform. Leader Connect is offering a 10% discount to all deep leadership listeners. Go to leader-connect.co.uk and enter the code DEEP at checkout. Master your leadership with Leader Connect. This episode is brought to you by Ignite Management Services. Ignite is led by Mike Watson, who you might remember from episode 137. Mike and his team believe that everything starts with leadership, whether it's strategy execution or cultural transformation. It's the role of the leader to create the conditions for their people to succeed. The team at Ignite can help you develop critical habits to enhance your leadership capability and transform your business. Ignite Management is now offering the Resilient Leadership Assessment Tool. This is an online questionnaire designed to assess and guide leadership development, coaching, and team building. It provides leaders an opportunity to gain insights into their leadership strengths and development needs. After taking this assessment, you will receive a custom detailed report that provides practical and actionable recommendations to enhance your effectiveness. I have taken this assessment myself and found it to be extremely valuable in helping me make changes to my leadership approach. Right now, Ignite is offering 15% off the price of this tool to the deep leadership audience. Go to ignitemanagement.ca and enter the code START15 at checkout to get started today. Yeah, it's funny because when, when I start talking, because, you know, my books, I talk, this leadership, I talk about that leadership is a people business. And yeah. so these are soft skills. And so the question I always ask, I challenge people is, you know, if, if all these are soft skills, why are they so hard for many managers to figure out how to do them? Because, you know, what I found in 22 years in corporate was a lot of people without emotional intelligence. They were, they were, they were tone deaf to anything related amongst how people were feeling at the moment. And so they never understood their audience and, um, and everything came off flat. It, it came off, um, you know, harsh. It came off that they didn't care. And, and that actually led to further disengagement. And, and already we have a major engagement problem in, in companies today and not in being emotionally tone deaf is going to make that situation even worse. Oh, much worse. And I think I told you, well, at the start of this episode, well, in our pre-talk, I told you I graduated in applied a coaching, applied positive psychology. Mm. So for my capstone research, I had to do a lot of research for my final project. And what we know is globally, thanks to Gallup's work, we know globally is en engagement is down. Mm. So this isn't just like a US-centric problem. This right. is like uh, a world problem. So if we if we know that engagement is down, 
the idea is without engaged people, we can't solve these big world problems like sustainability that we were talking about Yeah, because people are not engaged. So the premise of the work that I did within positive psychology is figuring out how do I engage myself? So instead mm-hmm. of an outside force saying, oh, we'll give you these benefits, like you were talking about like shareholders yeah. and making the business responsible, it's really about like, how do I know myself so well that I can stay in, engaged? And how do I get into that state of engagement? So that's what I did. I created a program for this, uh, for my capstone that helps us internally get into that engagement. Because I think we have the loneliness epidemic. We see so many people being burned out. We have so many books about burnout. That's all emotion. You know, that's the emotional drain without emotional intelligence, which in my opinion is the remedy, not understanding how important those are to your workday and and how you're aligned with your values. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that disengagement comes from, right? Yeah, I absolutely see that. Yeah. So how can um, how can leaders tap into this idea of emotional intelligence to really better understand their teams? Or how does it help them see their teams differently? Oh, this is good. And I think the, I'm going to answer this with one of the hardest things most people do not want to even do is ask for genuine feedback. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that That is the hardest thing to hear what you are not doing great at mm. or what you could be doing better at because so many people, they give so much to their work and they feel like I'm giving it my all. But if it's in the wrong direction, if you're giving your all in the wrong direction and your people need you to be somewhere else, then it's it's like all for naught. It's, right, it's, right. You're expending extra energy. So when we ask for feedback or we're at least creating an environment where we're open to that hard and difficult feedback, then that's, I think, what people need to do the most. But the key is, and you know this because you study leadership, is creating an overall company environment where that feedback is welcome and yeah. creating a culture where you feel safe to give that feedback and you're not worried about being fired. So not not easily done. And that's not easily done. And I think people, you know, underestimate what it takes to really truly build an environment like that, because you may believe it personally, but if the, if if the company around you doesn't support that mindset, you know, then you're, you're going to be in trouble. You know, we, we, you know, I I talked about um, one of the companies I worked for, I call it a good news company because nobody told any bad news. We only went with good news. Because if you get bad news, you get fired. So nobody said anything bad. Everything was going smooth. And so that then that's not a good place to be because you're basically sticking your head in the sand and ignoring any bad signals. And so that is not a good place to be. So it's better no, to be in a place not. where you're getting real feedback. But tactful feedback. I think most people, <laughs> yes. you know, there are different um, types of communication styles that you have to understand how somebody wants to have feedback. For example, mm-hmm. uh, like myself, I don't want you to tell tell my feedback in front of everybody. Right, right, right? that's true. Or yeah. I don't want you, I want you to give it to me timely. I don't want, mm-hmm. I had, uh, early in my career, I worked in finance. I had a manager who over one year gave me all my feedback. Like one year later, and I'm like, Okay, I'm I'm listening to the feedback. Well, what can I do with that? Like, I can't do anything yeah. with it because it's it's happened. So I think the key to that is developing yourself so that you can be open to. There's a skill within emotional intelligence 
called accurate self-assessment. Let me caveat this because if you're listening and you're thinking, well, I read a book and that wasn't in there. (laughs) There are several models. All the models I love, some are more academic, some are more um, applicable to the real world, and they're all different models. So each of these models, each researcher came up with categories and ways to, um, you know, uh, measure emotional intelligence. The tool I use is comes from Australia, but there are many tools. But in one model that I also like is accurate self-assessment. And if we think we're only doing good, then we are blind to opportunities where we could be doing better. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's our emotional tone deafness. Here's a really beautiful example that put most people who under can understand this. Have you ever been in an argument with your partner? Could be a best friend, could be just a roommate, somebody you live with, and they're telling you, I feel like this. I feel like you're not listening. I feel like, and then you start spouting off uh, facts and figures and dates yeah. and time, yeah. and then they just get angrier and angrier. And you're yeah. like, but we have this on the calendar. And they're like, but you're not but you're not listening to me because emotion talks to emotion and logic talks to logic. And that's the simplest thing. When we start to learn this for ourselves, we go, Oh, that's where I went wrong. I was talking logic at emotions. And we do that every day, every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I work on this all the time. Yeah. Because you, you know, you, you can hear either with employees or a spouse, whatever is, is I feel this. And, and, and sometimes you can be defensive, like, well, wh- why do you feel that way? I've done this, this, and this. You know, like I said, I, I'm spouting facts, right? I, facts you know, and figures. And right? the two don't talk together. So that's really, that's an important uh, distinction. I haven't heard um, ever, ever put out that way, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't talk logic with, with uh, emotion. <laughs> so. And yeah. in our best and deepest relationships, most intimate relationships, we do that naturally. Yeah, most people. I, I can't say everybody in the world, but we do that naturally because we're, like you said, defending ourselves. We're like, no, I told you I was going to be here on this day, but but we're talking different languages. And I think yeah. really, yeah. emotional intelligence allows us to hear all the languages, to hear yeah. Yeah. all the things that people are saying, from what they're not saying to interpretations of what they're saying, and that makes you just a better person, not even a leader just an yeah. a more well-rounded person who, who wouldn't want that yeah you Neil, you said something that's important is 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 even what they're not saying i think that's where you know like i had a, i was i do teach a lot of uh, i come in and do leadership sessions at, gra- at different graduate schools and um one of the things that i had a student ask me is like how do you know if you're a good leader and i said i said one of the things you can do is go walk up to a group of employees if they all go silent and change the change the subject when you walk up you probably have work to do. Like there's, there's a reason. So, so I think your presence as a leader, our presence affects the room. And I think good, emotionally intelligent leaders will sense the shift. It's like, oh shoot, I walked in here and everyone went silent. Or I went up here and everyone went, hey, John, you know, we're working on this project over here. Come over here. We're just talking about you. What do you think about this? That's a different scenario than everybody's shutting up, right? You've got work to do if everyone's just clamming up every time you show up in a room. They're, they're worried about what they say in front of you, you know? A hundred percent. And there can be different levels of that. So mm-hmm. there are different types of ways of communication and people might have 
um, complete respect for you. So they don't want to talk out of turn. Mm-hmm. But if they're willing to put themselves on a line and open up and in the right environment, give you that feedback, then I feel like if you're hearing the hard feedback and people feel safe enough, and I feel like Brene Brown would agree with me on this. Yes. So yes, she yeah. writes a lot about this, then you're creating that safe environment. And I think yeah. the best boss, the best bosses, like we quit our bosses, right? So like, well, we have a bad boss. We don't quit the job or the company. We try to yeah. get away from this boss. The right. thing is, John, I believe that doesn't solve the problem. Mm. You drive, you drive a deeper divide because you haven't learned how to deal with this person. And they're triggering something within you that you need to change. So the key is change that within you so that no once no matter where you go, you're you'll meet that person in another body in another way, but you've dealt with the actual problem. And I think that's the hardest pill to take because I can tell you I've had a, a number of abusive bosses. And through the work that I've done, just emotional intelligence on myself, I realized they violated some serious values. Uh, not to mention like to humiliate me right as well. So now that I know this, when I, when I see a person who might be this avatar, I know how to deal with it. It's it's like, I've alleviated the problem because I understand myself. I go, Oh, they're violating my value of openness. And so now I need to speak for myself. Yeah, that, I love that. Yeah, it's interesting because one of my triggers is I don't like to be told what to do. That's, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that's probably why I'm an entrepreneur, right? I don't like you to micromanage me. I don't want you to tell me what to do. You've hired me. I'm a really smart guy. You tell me what tell me what the, the, the mission is. I'll make sure the mission gets done, right? But if you start telling me what to do, I get, uh, you know, that I get very defensive. I hate that. Yeah, yeah so it's my trigger, you know, like, yes. you know, and so I think that once you know that trigger, and you know that that's you're violating a value when 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 something someone does that, then you're then you can actually control your emotion. You know how to deal with your emotions when that happens. Yeah. So so I call it reading the emotional temperature in the room. Mm-hmm. So if you walk into a room, is this the right time to say what I'm about to say in the way that I'm going to say it? Right. That helps you make a better decision when you understand the emotional temper temperature, your temperature, and also I talk about like bandwidth. So. Mm. What's your emotional bandwidth? Are you at the point where you're the straw that broke the camel's back? And if somebody else tells me this, I'm going to snap because you've waited too long to take care of yourself at that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But for you, if you were paired with, I would imagine here, if you were paired with somebody who was really a stickler on quality and their their way of being is like, I want to see this through to be the best of the best, understanding that you don't like being told what to do then you go, okay, I'm seeing this clearer. Maybe yeah. not the most clearly, but this person is needs the why for their quality. They want to be, so then you can be in the conversation instead of being like. Exactly. Yeah, them. exactly. But I think you have to, but you have to do that work and understand that. So what are, what are your emotional triggers? What are the things that bother you? What are the values that you have that you don't like violated? That's a lot of internal work that has to be done to make sure that, you know, you can be more uh, even keel as a leader when things come at you that can affect you. So I think, I think, I think maybe, you know, the longer you're in the game, I think you start recognizing those things. And so, you know, like I probably was, I was probably a much more like a, of a seesaw boss 
in my early days because I'm like, what? what did you say? You know, like I'm, but now it's like a sort of older now. I'm like, I've, I've seen a lot more and I know myself more. So I don't get too um, high or low in, in any given situation. And Travis Bradbury, who's also a PhD in emotional intelligence, he also says, you know, when you're really emotionally intelligent, it's almost like you're a little bit boring in the mm. sense that you can really, you have a, a bigger, in my word, bandwidth for that emotion. So you don't all of a sudden react. You have yeah. more of like a, a way of saying like, okay, well, let me hear all the sides of the story before I take it to the next step. And that's, I, I think, what's attractive and admirable holding on to that and having that bandwidth. Because I could imagine in your previous careers, especially like within the military, you don't want somebody who's reactive. That would be right. terrifying. Right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I've always I've always said this is that, you know, on a submarine when things got bad in the, the yeah. weather, whether it was weather or we had an enemy close by, when things went bad, every eyeball looked at the captain. Does he know what he's doing? You know? Is he competent? Can we trust him? You know, and I they're think they're holding their breath. Are you going to flip out? Because I'm ready yeah, to run right, out. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think that that always stuck with me is that our people are looking to us to lead. Uh, and when the chips are down and we've got to be able to be emotionally even keeled through the toughest times, it doesn't mean that we're detached or we don't recognize that our people are feeling some sort of anxiety or what have you, but we're not panicking. We're, we've, we're, we've got the rudder in the water. We're going to steer the ship as best we can with the information we have. I think that's, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for competent leadership in, in those times of crisis. And resilient leaders and people who are inspirational to us, they have an essence of emotional control. Doesn't mean they can't be like silly or crazy or zany or this, that. But you know that when, like you said, things get hard, they don't quickly lose their stuff. Now we see this in the media, but that's more for entertainment purposes, Yeah. yeah. right? So like people will write stories. Oh, so-and-so lost his head at a meeting. So that's yeah. a little bit different. But if you're working for that type of like person who has two different personalities, you're always walking on eggshells. You're always like, right. oh, what right. should I, what am I doing today? So I think, you know, you, you asked me at this, essentially, what is emotional um, intelligence have to do with leadership? It has everything to do with leadership. Mm-hmm. It, it is something that whether you're a leader or you think you're a perceived leader or not, you working on it can only benefit you, the people around you, the world. Like, it's crucial. It's crucial. Makes so much sense. Yeah. So what final message would you like to leave with our listeners today? So many messages. So <laughs> many. Uh, I think we talked about some amazing things today. Uh, I think the best, my most heartfelt message that I would say is that no matter if you think you're great at emotions, at dealing with your emotions, if you think you're not great, always be working on your emotional awareness. Mm. Always work to understand, oh, this is what anger feels like in my body. Oh, this is what joy feels like. The connection with understanding your emotions and you're external, they're one. So when you're angry, you see, they say you see red for a reason because your environment is enraged. So I think for the healing of the planet, for the solving of the engagement problem, always be working on your own emotional regulation, understanding your emotions. What does that mean? If you don't know what that means, read a Brene Brown book. 
That's the best place to start. And I think that's what I would leave people with. Always just own your own self, work on that, you know. Absolutely. Such a great, powerful message. And again, this is all about, um, you know, to be a leader is is about humility. It's about learning. It's, it's never being satisfied as always. And, and getting, a, getting a hold of your emotions is a big part of, uh, of, of being able to lead people. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Diana, I really appreciate that message. Such an important message for our leaders today. So how can our listeners find out more about you and the services you offer? Well, thank you for asking. I am on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I post not a lot, but not too much where you get annoyed and you want to shut the notifications off. But when I believe that something is important to our, to engagement, to motivating people, I really work in the realm of employee engagement and retention, everything we've talked about. So I, I post any research I've seen. I post any exercises people can do. So I would say LinkedIn. I'm Diana Elo. Feel free to connect with me. And this year, I'll be doing some LinkedIn Lives as well. And we'll really be talking about that, how, how we motivate people, how we engage people in this uh, changing reality I think we have at work. Yeah. yeah. Well, fantastic. And we're going to put a link in the show notes uh, for her LinkedIn page, also your website, company website. But, but I would say this, leaders, uh, if something in this conversation has triggered you, you've got questions, we'll follow that link hook up with Diana and find out, ask her the question. I'm sure she'll be happy to answer your question so and uh, point you in the right direction. You say, was well, there a book I should read about, about this subject? And she's going to steer you in the right direction. So uh, don't leave this uh, podcast episode without thinking, how can you get better when it comes to emotional intelligence? So Diana, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You've given us a lot to think about and I appreciate your time and I appreciate your energy on this topic. Thank you so much. Thanks for the great questions. And I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.